Hey everybody, welcome to Picking Up the Mantle. I'm your host, Joshua Tilton. Thank you for joining me today on episode one of this podcast. The idea for this podcast came to me about two years ago, but with the busyness of life, it picked up some dust on one of my shelves. Through this podcast, though, we will be breaking down scripture, we'll have some discussions on topics with different ministers, record some messages of mine, and hopefully inspire someone. But today for episode one, I want to talk to those who are in an Elijah position and those who may feel like an Elisha. I want to speak to mentors and to those being mentored. I believe and I've been feeling in my spirit for some time now that God is looking to take our apostolic churches to a new level. To a level where young men and women are trained and sent out to fulfill their calling, where we will see a great outpouring all across this world through the generation that is currently rising up. To a level where the younger generation is prayed up and prepared enough to begin to move into the callings that God has placed on their lives. Where we trust the ones we have trained to be released into their calling and to follow the will of God in their lives. I believe that we have a generation who's searching for a mantle to pick up, and we have a generation who is looking to pass on their mantle. With this first episode of this podcast, I want to break down the significance of a mantle, the passing on of a mantle, and the picking up of a mantle. I pray that this podcast helps encourage and empower someone today. Some passages I want to look at today uh, as we open up this episode is 1 Kings 19, 15 through 21, and 2 Kings 2, 9 through 10. So 1 Kings 19, 15 through 21, <clears throat> And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest to Syria, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thine room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah, Elijah passed by him, and cast his mantle upon him. <clears throat> and he left the oxen, and ran after Elijah, and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose, and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. Second Kings 2, 9, and 10. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. So a little background here <clears throat> as we get into the message today. Elijah was in a state of depression. He was both angry and he was frightened. He was frightened by Jezebel and angry that God had not given him the victory he had expected. He fled and leaving his servant behind, he went into the wilderness to die. He wanted to resign from his ministry and from life. God turned down his resignation and set out to correct his misconceptions about his ministry. God commanded Elijah to turn around and go back the other way that he had come. He was first told to go to the desert of Damascus, where he would designate Hazael as the king over Syria. 
He was also to anoint Jehu as king of Israel and to appoint Elisha as the prophet who would take his place. So being commanded by the Lord, Elijah did as he was told. And he got up and went on his way. 1 Kings 19 and 19 tells us of what Elijah did first. He came and found Elisha. The Bible doesn't record why he came to Elisha first. But I believe that how, with how scared Elijah was, uh, he was afraid of Jezebel, that if something had happened to him, if he found Elisha first, Elisha could continue on in his place. Elisha was just a farmhand with no prior work in the ministry. So why did God choose him to follow after Elijah? Because he was willing, he was available, and he was faithful. Once Elisha felt the anointing of the mantle touch him, that was all that he needed to convince him. He knew that he would he would have to leave his old life behind and follow a man that had just passed by him. When Elisha felt the anointing of the mantle touch him, he decided he wanted that anointing and that power more than anything else. That's why he took off running after Elijah in the middle of plowing the field. He decided that he would follow this man. That's why in 2 Kings 2 and 9, when Elijah asks Elisha what he can do for him before he is taken up, Elisha responds that he wants a double portion of his spirit. He wants a double portion of his anointing, a double portion of his ministry. So let's start out simple today. What is a mantle? In the Bible, the mantle served the practical purpose of keeping people warm and protecting them from the elements. It was a cloak. It also served a symbolic purpose in the case of the prophets, showing they were wrapped in God's authority. The burden of the mantle does not fall on Elijah alone, but it also falls to Elisha. There are two sides to every mantle. It has on one side the one who wears the mantle, prepares the mantle, and uses the mantle. The other side has the one who has to submit to the mantle, pursue the mantle, and pick up the mantle. So today I'd like to speak to both young and old, those with a mantle or a legacy they want to leave, and those who are pursuing a mantle. Whether you've been in the faith 50 years and want to pass on your mantle, or you're new to the faith and you're looking to pursue a mantle. Everyone wants to pass on what they know, what they've learned, the skills they have, and so on. We want to share our experiences with the next generation in hopes that they will take our advice, learn from our mistakes, and save themselves hardships and use all the tools that we can give them to carry on our vision. Elijah was charged by the Lord to anoint Hazael, Jehu, and Elisha. He only ever made it to Elisha. We don't know why he didn't make it to the, the two kings. All we do know is that his work was passed on to Elisha. Uh, Brother Jason Sisko preached at our camp here in Ohio one year. Uh, I asked him for any advice that he would give to a young minister, and he told me that everyone needs three things in their lives, a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. Paul represents a mentor, someone to teach, someone to lead, someone to invest in you. Barnabas represents an encourager, someone to help you when you're in the valley, someone to lift you up out of the pit, a friend, a peer. A Timothy represents someone to mentor, someone to invest in, to teach, someone to carry on the dream of the mentor. Everyone needs a mentor, and everyone needs someone to mentor. Elijah only ever found Elisha before he was taken up, but it was Elisha who carried on the charge, who carried on the dreams and desires of his mentor after he was gone. James 4 and 14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is too short for us to just sit idly by and allow our callings to sit on the sidelines. We're living in a time that while the world is growing worse and worse, we need the church to get on fire. 
We need men and women of all ages to begin to answer the call that God has placed on their life. We need more laborers in the fields. We need to fall in love with investing in those who come after us. Just like Elijah, you may never see your dreams and your desires come to pass in your lifetime. But what you invest in those who come after you will depend on if they make what you once had as a dream a reality. Let me say that again. You may never see your dreams and desires come to pass in your lifetime. But what you invest in those who come after you will depend on if they make what you once had a dream a reality. That's why there has to be one to prepare the mantle and one to pick up the mantle. I'd like to read the second set of scriptures I opened with, but add a little more to the passage. 2 Kings 2, 8-14 And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry, dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee I before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. So a couple things are going on in this passage. First, we see a demonstration. Elijah demonstrates the power of God right before Elisha's eyes. The next thing going on in this passage is that Elijah and Elisha are ripped apart from each other and are separated. So I want to talk to the mentors in the room for a second. The older generation, those who have been through some things, those with experience to pass on, first let's talk about demonstration. At the beginning of this passage I just read, Elijah smites the waters and it parts. At the end of the passage, Elisha does the exact same thing as his mentor. As a mentor, whatever it is that you're mentoring someone for, you have to give a demonstration. If you're teaching someone how to build a house, you can't just hand them nails, wood, a hammer, and say, here you go, you can do it on your own. No, you have to show them how to build the house, how to measure, how to cut, and how to reinforce. It takes more than just handing over the tools you have. You have to train and you have to explain. Especially in the kingdom of God, there has to be demonstrations among the congregation. Demonstrations on how to pray, how to baptize, how to pray someone through to the Holy Ghost, how to altar work, clean the church, play the instruments, teach a class, study the Bible, live a holy life, and how to just love people. I'm thankful for the mantle of my pastor, Pastor Matthew O'Shell, because watching him over the years, uh, I've I've known him since I was a child. He, He is a man of demonstration. He holds meetings with the ministry team at our church. He's active in training, and on top of that, he shows just how to love people for who they are and not what you can get from them. He's taught me a lot of life lessons over the years just from the life that he lives. A quote that I heard years ago said it this way, You should be trying to work yourself out of a job. If you are doing your job right, you should be training and teaching someone how to do the job without you. 
As much as our human nature tells us that we want the spotlight, no one can do it like us. We have to realize that this mortal body will one day pass away. Our body will return to being just dust. We have to prepare someone after us to carry on our work, to carry on our desires, to carry on the church, and to push forward the kingdom of God. We have to be able to see the need to pass the reins on to someone else. We have to learn to overcome our fleshly desires and begin to desire the elevation of God's kingdom. Each and every one of us has something that we can instill in the next generation. We have to understand the value of a soul, the potential in those who will rise up behind us. As mentors, we should want to leave a mantle or a legacy for the next generation, a legacy that leaves a part of us behind. A legacy doesn't have to be preaching and teaching from the pulpit, but that legacy can be faithfulness to the church, faithfulness to God. A legacy, though, has to start at home. Parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, what kind of a legacy or what kind of a mantle are you leaving behind for your children, your family, your friends, and your church? What will be said about you when you're gone? There's a man in the Bible, I believe, sets a great example and illustration of how to lead your family. The Bible speaks of this man only in one verse, and I believe it was enough to save his family. Mark 15 and 21. Excuse me. And they compel one Simon a Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. From some study, it's believed that Simon was chosen for this task because he showed sympathy towards Jesus as he passed him on his way to be crucified on Calvary. But the part of the verse that stands out most to me is the last line, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why are these two names here? What do they have to do with Simon carrying the cross? It's believed that these two, Alexander and Rufus, went on to preach the gospel. It's also believed that Rufus and his mother are the ones spoken of in Romans 16 and 13. If this is the case, then this shows fathers, mothers, if you want to save your family, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Simon was a man who was just passing through, but his one encounter with Jesus Christ changed his life and the life of his family. Mentors, leave a legacy that reflects Jesus Christ in all things. Teach Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Teach Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Teach John 3 and 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Teach doctrine. Teach holiness. Leave an everlasting mark on your children. Take this apostolic message and live it, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day of the week. Let your life be a living testimony for the next generation. Give them something to aspire to be. Don't be hateful or of ill reputation, but be someone honorable with integrity that lives and devotes their life to Jesus Christ. What kind of a mantle will we leave for our kids? What kind of a mantle will we pass on to those who follow us? I want to leave a mantle like Elijah, one that leaves a double portion for those who come next. But shifting gears here just a little bit, now let's talk to those who seek to be mentored. First, you have to submit to the mantle. If you can't submit to the mantle you are pursuing, you will never be able to pick up the mantle. You won't be able to fill the shoes of the one who came before you. Submission to the mantle makes you receptive and teachable to the one you follow. Elisha submitted himself to the covering of Elijah. He was all in. 
He wanted to be close to this man. He wanted to learn from this man, serve him, help him, and follow him. It's recorded three times in 2 Kings 2 of Elijah trying to get Elisha to stay put and quit following him. I've heard preachers in the past preach about how Elijah wanted nothing to do with Elisha, and that's why he tried to get away from him. But reading this text, I see it as more of a, a test issued to Elisha. Elijah was testing Elisha to see if he was faithful, to see if he was worth working in the kingdom. Elijah was either trying to see if Elisha was fit to carry his mantle, or he was trying to save Elisha from the same situations he had been in because of his calling and his anointing. Elisha stayed close to his mentor. That's why it took a chariot of fire to rip them apart. Once Elijah was taken up, his mantle was left. Pastor Aaron Bounds once said it this way, Elijah's mantle did not fall on Elisha. He had to run and get it. You have to pursue the mantle. The knowledge and skills of your mentor don't just come become yours. You have to go after them. You have to practice. You have to train. You have to study. There is a generation in the church today that is rising up that's preparing for the day when the burdens of the church will fall on their shoulders. It may be 10 years, it may be 20 years, but one day each and every young person in all of our churches will be called by God. We have young people who are beginning to answer their call that God has placed on their lives all around this world today. Young people who are turning the worlds upside down, who preach with fire and anointing, who will be vessels that God will work through to save millions across this world. Keep your eyes on this next generation. They are going to do great things for the kingdom. But each and every one of us will have a charge placed on us, a burden to carry, a mantle to pursue. If you have already received your call from God, answer it. If you feel you know where God is leading you, begin to find a mentor to train you in that calling. Everything that was poured into you, everything developed from the time that you submitted unto the mantle until you picked it up off of the ground has prepared you to follow in your predecessor's footsteps. There is power in the passing on of a mantle. The power that was cultivated and developed by the one who first carried it, all the knowledge and power passed on to the second. Elisha received his double portion from Elijah. He was twice the prophet Elijah was, performed twice as many miracles as him. But Elisha pursued. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, pursue a mantle. Pursue those who have something that you want. When I first got into ministry, I wanted to know and learn as much as I could. I still do today. I recently just taught this concept to some of our young people at our church. But I used to go to conferences, camps, special services uh, at different churches that I knew that there was a special speaker at. Uh, I used to be that weird kid that I would ride the elevator at conferences just so I could uh, have a chance to talk to some high-profile preachers. I remember one year at NYC, I woke up at 7 a.m. Uh, one morning, grabbed my Bible, grabbed my journal, and I thought, I'm going to find a preacher to talk to. So I rode the elevator that morning for about 20 minutes. In that 20 minutes, I had a chance to talk with some great men of God. Only for a few minutes, because I didn't want to seem weird, which I, mean, I guess I kind of was at the time, still kind of am. Uh, but even when they had places to be, they still took the time to talk to me, and I'm thankful for that. Sometimes I would wait until the service was over, and I would try to be the first one up to whoever preached that night, and I would ask them for a five-minute nugget of wisdom that they would impart to a young minister. Through those five-minute nuggets, I learned quite a bit that has helped form and shape my outlook on ministry and on my personal devotional life and my ministry. Uh, some of you 
um, may know some of these preachers that I'll mention. Some of you may not. You can find all of them on YouTube. If you'd like to check out their sermons, they are all fantastic teachers and preachers. Uh, I already mentioned Brother Jason Sisko, um, what he had said about having a Paul, Barnas, Barnabas, and a Timothy. Pastor Jay sat down with me for over an hour in the boys' dorm at family camp uh, in Ohio uh, one year and poured out what he knew about prayer to me. Uh, my old youth pastor, Brother Cody Updegrave, poured into me the concept of show me your friends and I'll show you your future, and to always make sure that I am willing and available to be used in whatever ministry may open to me. Brother J.H. Osborne imparted to me the importance of reading books, ones that you like and ones that you don't like, because you can always find little stories about life that may speak to a situation that you're in. And then Brother Doug White spoke a word to me that he didn't know I needed at the time, but it fit how I was feeling, that you don't need a fancy family name to be used by God. And the list goes on and on. But you can have your own experiences like this too. You don't have to just pursue one mantle, but you can pursue multiple ma mantles. Brother Jason Sisko, when he had spoken with me about my five-minute nugget, uh, had told me that he would do something similar, but he would pursue the mantle of those he felt were experts in their area, like outreach, preaching, teaching, and prayer, for example. He would latch himself on to these men of God and learn all that he could, learning from the experiences of men and women of God who have come before you and have been tried by fire. It will not only save you time and heartache, but learning from their experiences will build you into someone who makes hell quiver with fear when you get out of bed in the morning. The enemy can't attack you on something you've been reinforcing in your life. They can't break down walls you've reinforced with the knowledge, experience, and wisdom of elders in your life. Mantles don't just fall for ministers, and they aren't just developed by ministers either, but they are prepared and tried by God-fearing, holy men and women of God who have given their lives over to Him fully. I don't know where you are in your walk today, but I know that God has called each and every one of us to our own purpose. I know He has placed the tools that we need to grow in the kingdom and defeat hell all within the body of Christ. Your pastor and the ministers of your church will be a great place to start to find these tools, to learn all that you can from them. I encourage you to latch on to someone and learn all that you can from them. Pursue a mantle. Pursue your calling. Pursue the one that created you. And I promise your life will never be the same. Because once you've pursued a mantle and you've prepared your own, one day you will be called on to teach and lead someone to pass on your mantle to. My prayer for me and for all of you... <clears throat> is that our mantles not fall idle, and that they be passed on. Two great men in the Bible who did great and powerful things, but did not pass on their mantles, were Samuel and Elisha. Samuel may have anointed King Saul and King David, but there was not a prophet who followed after him to take up his mantle. And so Samuel died with no one to pick up where he left off. Unless you count David, but that's something for another episode. Elisha as well did not pass on his double portion to another. The power and the anointing that was never passed on by these great men of God is a great tragedy. I believe that God's calling someone today to rise up and train the next generation, while he's calling others to become teachable and to desire and pursue the things of his kingdom. The Lord is building a kingdom. He's issuing out orders. We live in a generation that right now pursues sex, drugs, and money more than anything else. It's time the church as a whole steps up and says, we are going to pursue Jesus Christ, holiness, and doctrine. Is there anyone listening today who 
wants to leave a legacy for their children and their children's children and so on. Anyone who wants to leave a legacy for every new convert who walks through your church's doors. Is there anybody in here who wishes to see the kingdom of God propelled forward and will say, I will pursue a mantle? I'll sacrifice and prepare my life to help lead the kingdom. God is searching for those who want to do more than just serve him on Wednesday and Sunday. But he's looking for those who will devote their lives to the pursuit and the growth of his kingdom. Jesus Christ sacrificed all he had on the cross so that we might inherit eternal life and spend our days with him. Find someone to pass on the goodness of Jesus to. Find someone to share the love of Jesus Christ with. I don't want to be somebody who goes out without a bang. I want to be someone who leaves a trail of breadcrumbs, even when I'm gone, that someone can still follow that trail and make it to Jesus by the things that I invested into the kingdom, through the lives I invested in. What will you invest into the kingdom? That's it's a question that I hope we all can ask ourselves. But whatever we invest into the kingdom will never return void. Those seeds you plant in water will someday bloom. Will your legacy be left with a life full of sin and hypocrisy that your children and family see on a daily basis? Or will you leave a legacy of a righteous, devoted Christian who proclaimed the oneness of God, who showed love at all times to all people, who went out of their way to bring someone into the presence of God? Will it be said that you worked hard for the kingdom of God or that you worked hard for your own self-interests? Today, I challenge you to pick up a mantle and pursue the things that God is calling you to do. Thank you for joining me today on our first episode of Picking Up the Mantle. God bless.